Good morning. How are you today? Wow, that thing kind of just like, boom, hard stop. It's great to be in the house with you. Man, I am so, so excited about so much that's going on around here and what we get to be a part of. Uh, really excited that next weekend, Lake Hills Church Kids, LAC Kids, will be back in full swing. It's obviously going to be different than it's ever been before. We're going to be practicing social distancing, doing the best we can with kids, but we're excited to be back in children's ministry. I want to remind you too, you know, of course, that we don't do childcare around here. We do children's ministry. And so we're excited that that's going to be a part of our Sunday morning slate going forward. We're also excited about everybody that is not yet able to be back in the room with us, but is worshiping with us online in-house. Let's welcome everybody online and tell them we're glad they're here. Great to have y'all with us, and we mean it when we tell you we love you and are so glad that we can connect online and can't wait to see you back in the room. I know for a fact that today we have a number of folks who are here who are back for the first time since COVID started back in 2004. Let's welcome back our first timers today. <clears throat> very, very cool, very exciting about that, and so we're really, really looking forward to what's coming up in the future. So a couple of weeks ago, I stopped for lunch at Rudy's Barbecue. Now, if you've never, if you've never been to Rudy's, just real quickly, first of all, you, you probably just moved here from California, so welcome. But second of all, you, you should go because you can get really good Texas barbecue and gas up your car. So what's not to love? You know what I mean? I mean, it's it's, it's kind of the best of everything that Texas has to offer. And as I got there for lunch, I got out of my truck. I was I put on my mask and I go to stand in line. I, get waited, I wait to get called up to the cashier. And as I'm approaching the cashier, she's tearing off the butcher paper that will serve as my plate and asked me what I want. I said, I want a half a bird and I want some brisket with burn ends attached to it. And at about that time, the cashier adjacent to the cashier I was dealing with Kind of, I noticed out of the corner of my eye, he's kind of like eyeing me, like looking at me, and, and, and like even behind him, he was wearing a mask, obviously, but he was kind of like, and, I, and so I didn't, I was like, okay, cool. So I ordered my meal, and I'm sitting there waiting, and, and he goes, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he just looks at me, he goes, huh, <laughs> I don't know if I believe that, and he points at my shirt, and then I remembered that I didn't remember what shirt I had put on that morning, and so I had to look down and read the t-shirt that I was wearing. And it was a shirt that I had that says, discipline equals freedom. Discipline equals freedom. And, and apparently, this cashier philosopher took issue with my t-shirt. <laughs> and so I went, oh. And he goes, I, I, just don't, I don't know if I buy that. And he was like, like a little bit abrasive about it. But I, I didn't say anything. I was like, really, why not? He goes, huh, I don't know. And about that, he just walked off, went into the back to get something, and my food came up, and, and I paid for it, and there were people in line waiting for their barbecue, so I had to move on about my business. But that cashier philosopher's objection to my T-shirt stuck with me for a long time. Now, the T-shirt I got comes from a book that was written by Jocko Willink. Jocko is a retired Navy SEAL. He wrote a book called Discipline Equals Freedom and has t-shirts that say Discipline Equals Freedom. And I started thinking about why would this guy take issue with that? I mean, because the reality is 
discipline equals freedom is pretty much irrefutable. Think about if, if we impose discipline on ourselves physically, then we're going to be in better health and able to do more of the things that we want to do. And that's true for us physically. It's true in our finances. It's true in pretty much every facet of life. Why, why would he have such an issue that he would feel the need to like, like publicly ridicule me in Rudy's barbecue line there? And so I started thinking about this. It, 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 this. This exchange, as brief as it was, kind of stuck with me a lot longer than the brisket and the bird stuck with me. And I, I remember thinking, maybe, maybe it is that this guy, when he was growing up, he had a really negative experience with discipline. Maybe, maybe he's never seen it positively portrayed or, or played out. Or maybe, maybe he was never disciplined as a child and he just kind of has a, a negative connotation and misconception of what actual discipline looks like. I, I couldn't quite figure it out. But then I thought, you know, I think a lot of people, a lot of people have the exact same misconception or misperception of the Christian faith. And, and when I say a lot of people have that same misconception, I mean a lot of people, Christians and non-Christians alike. Let, let me show you what I mean. How many of us, whether you're here in the room or watching online live or later on, how many of us when I say the word Christian, how many of us, the first word that you think of or that you reflexively go to is freedom? Very, very few. Very few people think Christian and freedom. And yet, that is exactly what Jesus Christ offers to anyone who would follow him. Part of the amazingness of God's amazing grace is this freedom that we are called into. It is the bondage and the slavery that we are called out of into a relationship with Christ. That freedom that he offers is something that is so pervasive in the Christian life as God describes it, as it's spelled out in scripture. It's so important that we cannot miss it. We can't just kind of skate past it. As a matter of fact, if you were to read the book of Galatians in the New Testament, Paul's letter to the churches throughout the region of Galatia, it, it is Paul's pleading with these churches. He's encouraging, he's exhorting them to please live in the freedom that the gospel or offers. Please, please don't, don't live anymore in the bondage to, slim, to sin or to anything else. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to look in Galatians chapter number five. Galatians chapter five, the Bible says it this way. We're gonna put it on the screen here or maybe on, online it'll be on the lower thirds there, but I want you to read the highlighted words out loud with me. Let's, let's make this a little interactive today, okay? Let's do this together. This is what the Bible says. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Now let me give you just a little bit of background here about Galatians. Galatia <clears throat> was a region where it was a strategic crossroads in that part of the world, particularly in this historical time period around 60 or 70 
AD. It was several nations that kind of made up a land bridge. If you were in, let's say that you're in Israel, okay, and you're right there along the coast of the Mediterranean, you're in Israel. If you go north from Israel, and then from where you're sitting, you take a left, you'll get into Syria, then a left will take you towards the Balkans and Greece, and then on toward Italy and the rest of Europe. So that, that little land bridge right there between the Middle East and Europe, between Asia and Europe, between the, the Black Sea and the Mediterranean Sea was a critical, critical crossroads militarily, economically, and in every way. And so the churches that were being formed there in Galatia were strategic, kind of like, like churches in Austin, Texas. You know, Austin is a crossroads culturally in, in, our, in our world. Austin as wonderful as this place is, it is a, it's a cultural crossroads. We, as I said earlier, we've got folks coming from California. We love you. God bless you. If you could keep our house values down a little bit, that'd be cool. Not blow it through the roof. If you could, if, so we've got this cultural crossroads. At the same time, our culture is at a crossroads. At the same time that there are these competing forces vying for our attention, for our affection, Paul is writing to churches who are in a very, very similar situation to the one we're in. And he's trying to encourage them and to share with them the freedom that is available in Christ. Last week, as we continued this series, just grace, just grace, period. We, we talked about the fact that, that grace allows us to resolve and, and in the person of Jesus to reconcile this kind of constant congenital chronic conflict between grace and truth, between love and truth. That, 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 that it is the amazing grace of God that reconciles those things and, and resolves that conflict that most of us feel because remember we said that most of us tend one way or the other. Most people kind of drift either towards grace or towards truth. And we, we could all stand to bring a little bit more of each into our lives, to bring them into balance. But it is Jesus and Jesus alone who perfectly synthesizes love and truth, grace and truth. But Jesus not only reconciles this conflict, he, he reconciles this conflict to make it a collaboration and what used to be in conflict now collaborates to produce freedom, freedom in our lives, freedom for our lives. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now with passion and enthusiasm and a smile on your face and tell them, get your freedom on. Get your freedom on because grace sets us free. Grace sets us free. I've, I've shared this with you before. Many of you know that Julie and I are now empty nesters. And, and it, it kind of comes and goes. I, I know a lot of empty nesters, especially in this season. Sometimes you are, sometimes you're not. But, but our kids are, are out of the house. They're out of college. They're gainfully employed and off the payroll. Somebody ought to clap on that. But anyway, my point is the empty nest I, nobody ever told me that the empty nest would be as great as it is. How many of you still have kids at home? Let me just see a show of hands. If you have kids at home still, and we all know kids are a tremendous blessing. 
but so is it a blessing when they leave. It is awesome. I mean, awesome. Julie and I, we go out to eat when we feel like going out to eat. We stay home when we feel like staying home. We watch what we feel like watching. It is absolutely fun. And I love when our kids come to visit, and I love when they leave. The freedom in the empty nest pales in comparison to the freedom offered us in Christ. And I think it's imperative, if we're going to really and truly understand and get our minds and our hearts and our lives around grace, you have to understand that grace sets us free. Grace sets us free. Paul says here, it is for freedom that you have been set free. And one of the things that, that he was worried about with these churches in Galatia was that they would drift back into their old kind of, you know, libertine, licentious lifestyles. But also, there was a strain of, of legalism in the churches of Galatia. I, I'm going to get into that in just a second. How many of you have ever been around legalism? Let me just say, I'm just curious about if you've ever been around legalistic people, churches, or whatever. It, man, it's, whoo. We're going to get into that in just a second, but the first thing I think it's imperative that we understand, and we can never take our eyes off of this. We've touched on this and really kind of camped out there so far, but never forget the significance of the fact that grace sets us free from sin. Grace sets us free from sin. We're liberated from the bondage of sin. This is what Romans says in Romans chapter 5. Now, just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God's wonderful grace. We use the word wonderful in in a different way than the Apostle Paul is using it here. We, We say, oh, that's wonderful. And I, I don't, that's not a word I use a whole lot, but, but sometimes it's like, is that wonderful? No, that's, that's wonderful. That's great. But it's, it's more like full of wonder. To be overawed by something, to be, to be awed, be like blown away. If you've ever spent any time in the mountains, you, you know what wonderful means. It, it's it's filled with wonder. If you've ever spent any time at the ocean thinking about the beach, Julie and I were recently at the beach together and I got up early one morning and I was walking the beach by myself, barefooted in the sand. And the waves were kind of lapping against the shore. And as I was walking, I was praying and I was just talking to God silently. I didn't do it out loud because I didn't want anybody to, you know, take me away or anything. But I'm walking and I just, I just started thinking about the waves. They, they just keep coming. They just keep coming. They're nonstop. Ever since God created the world, the waves keep coming. And, and as I was praying and walking and thinking about the beach and the sand and the waves and everything, it just, it just kind of hit me right there on the beach that morning by myself. God is more constant than the waves of the ocean. 
Have you ever thought about that? He's more constant than the waves of the ocean. The Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Forever. In the words of one great philosopher, that's a mighty long time. Forever. And I was, I was just in that moment, just there on the beach, I was filled with wonder. I was filled with awe at the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And to think that this God who is more constant than the waves of the ocean has given us his amazing grace, that, that, that unmerited, unearnable favor, that is full of wonder. That is awesome in the strictest sense of the word that that's who he is and that's what he's chosen to do. In his wonderful grace, he has freed us from sin. And it's not just historical. It's not just what he did in the past. It's also what he does currently in the present in his grace. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this. It says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So he has set us free from sin, but he also frees us from temptation. He provides a way out. He, he gives us an escape clause by his Holy Spirit. That means that we can never, ever say, I just couldn't help it. Have you ever tried that one? I just, I just, I, the devil made me do it. That's cool. It is the devil who tempts us, no doubt about it. But God promises that his grace is sufficient. He will never allow you to be tempted or allow me to be tempted beyond what we can resist. He will provide a way out. So if I succumb to the temptation, if I give in to the temptation, that's a choice I make. That, that's not because of circumstances or because I just couldn't help it. No, no, no. It's because I didn't avail myself of the amazing grace of God. He will provide a way out. I love what it says too, that the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Have you ever felt like your temptations are yours alone? Like, like nobody has ever had to withstand this. <laughs> nobody. It's not true. The truth is we all are tempted in different ways, but in similar means. There are always similarities between my temptations and your temptations. We are not alone and we're not crazy. That is a gift from God. That is a grace from God. It is hard, but we're not alone. We're in this with other people. Grace sets us free from sin. And so it then just follows logically, just just intellectually trace this. If it has set us free from sin, then grace also sets us free from shame. Grace sets us free from shame. Man, shame is so powerful, isn't it? There, there are things in my life I look back on 
And even now, I, I know, I know that grace is real. I know that grace is amazing. I know that grace is mine by the grace of God. But there's still those things that I've done, those, those things that I've said, those seasons maybe of life that you look back on and you're like, what in the world was I thinking? Does anyone have a season of life that you just hope never shows up on video anywhere? Grace sets us free from that shame. Grace means that God himself has forgiven you, period, hard stop. Now, I, I know that we're all, you know, relatively intelligent. We're all fairly accomplished, but I can promise you this, your standards, my standards are not higher than God's standards. And see, part of the amazing grace of God is that he doesn't lower his standards. He doesn't just kind of wink at sin and go, no big deal, come on, bud. No, he keeps the standard where the standard is. The standard is the standard. But in his amazing grace, he sets us free from the shame of missing that standard. Of missing that standard. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all missed the standard. You have, I have, all God's children have. But we don't have to be ashamed of that. Look at what the Bible says. Romans chapter 8. This is so powerful. If, if shame is something that lurks in your mind and in your heart, Romans 8, 33 through 34 is something to memorize, to, to spiritually metabolize and make a part of who you are. It says, who dares, who dares? Turn to your neighbor right now and smile at him and go, how dare you? How dare you? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has, get, has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Are you kidding me? A friend of mine called a while back and said that he needed a letter of recommendation. He needed a letter of recommendation for his attorney to submit because he was involved in a legal situation. And he needed a letter from a, a preacher. I said, man, I'd be happy to write this letter. This is a guy that I know, I love, I like, I believe in, his integrity, his ethics, all of it. And so I wrote the letter. Think about this for a second. The Son of God, perfect and without sin, pleads for you. He pleads for you by name with God the Father. He sits at the right hand of the Father and he pleads on your behalf. If that doesn't fry a circuit in you, you're not paying attention. That Jesus himself intercedes with God the Father on my behalf. So that means that no one can condemn you, including you.
even you. I think a lot of times one of the hardest people to forgive is ourself. It's hard, isn't it? But here's what we've got to remember. If you're having trouble forgiving yourself, or if you're stuck in shame and guilt, what you're doing is misrepresenting your standard as being higher than God's standard. Your standards are not higher than God's. My standards are not higher than God's. If God says you're forgiven, you're forgiven. You are clean. He has removed your sin from you as far as the east is from the west, and God remembers it no more. That, that, that blows my mind. So this amazing grace of God frees us from any and all shame. There's another type of freedom, though, that I think is really important. Grace sets us free from legalism. Grace sets us free from legalism. And legalism can manifest itself in perfectionism. Anybody ever have a perfectionist person in your life? Don't raise your hand or elbow the person you're sitting next to. But perfectionism is just another form of legalism. Legalism says I can earn favor with God. Legalism says if I will prove my worth to God by how well I keep the rules. There, there's something inside of us. Even when we know that grace is real, when we know that it's unearnable, when we know that it's amazing, there, there's something inside of us as human beings that still is drawn toward lists and laws and rules and regulations. We like to make sure that we're making sure. It's what the Pharisees dealt with all the time. It's what Jesus was constantly in combat with them about. The Pharisees, they, they took the law of Moses so seriously that they fabricated laws about the law. More than 600 man-made rules about the God-given rules. And they were kind of the self-appointed watchdogs of legalism in that day and age. But God says grace sets us free from legalism. Grace sets us free from perfectionism. Romans chapter 7 verse 6 says, Now in Christ we have been released from the law, for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. You see, in the churches in Galatia, there was a group of of Jews who were saying, listen, it's great that you're Christian, but you have to first be Jewish in order to be Christian. And in order to be Jewish, you have to get circumcised if you're a guy. And as you might imagine, there was a number of Galatians who were pushing back against this. That was funnier than you gave it credit for. That's just kind of think about it for a second. Paul was saying, no, 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 no. You don't have to be circumcised. And all the men in Galatia went, he said, you, you just have to live in the spirit of life. You, you, have to, you have to accept the freedom for which you were set free. Don't, don't be bound by the law. Don't be bound by it, but rather live in the spirit. Now, next week, we're going to talk more about what that looks like because as soon as I say that, some of you get, whoa, 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 whoa. You're, you're giving people too much room there. Here's what I will tell you. If you're not wrestling 
with liberty, you're not understanding grace. If you're not wrestling with how far is too far, then you haven't understood grace. Now, grace does not give us license to do whatever we feel like doing. The Bible's really clear about that, but it does set us free from legalism. It does free us up to live life in the spirit of God. It, it, it frees us up to do what God has called us to do. You remember our, our philosopher cashier that I started with at the beginning? I thought, about, I thought about him a lot as I was preparing for this message. And I, I thought, what would I say to him? How, how, would I, how would that conversation go if we were able to you know, go into the back room at Rudy's there and, and just kind of sit down and have a root beer or, or whatever and, and just talk about it? I, I think the first thing that I would tell him is the same thing that I need to remember myself. If grace has really and truly set us free, and it has, for anyone who follows Christ, if it really sets you free, let's say for this week, for us right here, Lake Hills Church family, let's begin this week right now and just let go. And when I say let go, I'm not, this is not like a, you know, I'm not a big fan of cliches, let go and let God. It's got some truth in it, but, but what I mean by let go is, everybody do this for me real quick. Everybody kind of sit up straight, take a deep breath, even if you're watching online, and just do this. Let's say everybody take in a deep breath, hold, hold, your, hold your hands like this. Let go of the illusion of control. Let go of the illusion of control. The most anxious, anxiety-ridden, stressed people I know are the most controlling people I know. Let me, let me do this. Let me, let me be really just candid with you. The most stressed and anxious I get is when I'm trying to white-knuckle control everything around me. Anybody ever try to white-knuckle control everything around you? It typically happens when we get stressed out, when we're anxious, when we're worried, and we try to control more. But the amazing grace of God causes us to, to let go. Let go of the illusion of control. You see, the grace of a sovereign God means he wins. It means that he is in control. It means that he holds us in the palm of his hand. I have a really close friend, and <clears throat> he has done really well professionally. He is, he's risen to the C-suite of a Fortune 100 company and has performed at a high, high level corporately and professionally. And I had a conversation with him years and years ago when he told me, he said, you know, I used to be really, really stressed about my job. I said, dude, I get it. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of pressure. He said, and, and then I started thinking it through and praying it through. And he said, I realized I was worried about whether or not they would fire me. 
Because I, I could be fired at a moment's notice. Now, I've got a, an employment contract. There would be severance, et cetera, but I would be fired. And now when I realized I could be fired was the worst thing that could happen to me professionally. Obviously, I, I can perform. I've, I've done it at this level. I could, I could go somewhere else, and I, I'm employable. He was like, my family's not going to go hungry. I could, I could go get another job. And when I realized they could fire me was the worst thing they could do to me, I started enjoying my job. Now, at first, that sounds like, what? But it makes total sense. When you realize the worst that can happen is survivable, then you can let go. Then you can let go of the illusion of control and do the second thing. Go to work in freedom. And this isn't just about a Fortune 100 company. This is about our lives. Let go of the illusion of control and then this week, go to work in freedom. When I say go to work, I mean go to work moving the purposes of God forward in your family. Go to work moving the purposes of God forward at work. Go to work moving the purposes of God forward in your friendships, in your recreation, in your rest. Maybe, maybe this week for you, letting go and going to work means that you, you set aside a day and you will Sabbath. You will take a day off. Maybe for you, letting go and going to work means that you will speak life and hope into tough situations in your school district. Maybe for you, Letting go and going to work this week means that you will look for opportunities to move the purposes of God forward in somebody's life that you know who is hurting. Maybe for you, letting go and going to work in freedom means that you will pray for somebody by name every day this week. Let go and go to work in freedom. The amazing grace of God sets us free. It sets us free. I read a verse from Romans 8 just a second ago, but I want to close with the very last verses of Romans chapter 8 because it is that, it is that reminder that I think we all need from time to time, and maybe somebody needs it right now in this moment. Sometimes we don't feel free. Sometimes we don't, we don't remember that it is for freedom that we have been set free. And it's in that moment that we come back to what is real and what is true, the Word of God. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 through 39. And I am convinced... I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing, nothing 
nothing. Anything about that not clear? Any, any questions? What about nothing? Well, yeah, but what about nothing? I want to ask you to bow your heads for just a brief moment. If you're here today or maybe watching online and you have never owned that, you've never stepped into a relationship with the God who loves you so perfectly that nothing can separate you from it. Don't just know about it. Know him. As a church, we want to invite you Kind of, kind of like Paul was pleading with the Galatians. We, we would just plead with you and invite you to, to take that step of faith to choose to follow Christ in his amazing grace. If you've never done that before, then we invite you to pray just right where you are. Just silently talk to God. Just silently say something like this. Just say, Jesus I need you. Thank you for your grace. It shows me I need you. Thank you for your grace that sets me free. Thank you for your grace that tells the truth. Jesus, thank you for loving me perfectly and eternally. In this moment, I commit my life to you. I will follow you from this moment forward with everything I have. I confess my sin to you. And I receive, I accept the free gift of your forgiveness, your grace. And I pray this prayer, Jesus, in your name. you would just remain with your heads bowed for another moment. You know, the bowing of our heads is just a, a sign of reverence and humility before God. But if that was your prayer, then I want you to know especially that this is the greatest day of your life. And as a church, we celebrate that and honor that with you. And we want to help with what's next. The first step in that is just right now as our heads are bowed, would you just raise your hand? If you, if you just prayed to begin a relationship with Christ, would you raise your hand and hold it up high in the air for just a brief second as a statement physically of the spiritual commitments you just made? And know that as a church, as a family of faith, we honor that and celebrate that with you. And our family tradition is that you can go ahead and put your hands down, but we're going to put our hands together. Tell you, welcome home. Welcome home. 